If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science and I'm here with Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And today we are talking to you on the uh, Teaching Science in 3D podcast about the, the reality that your students can do this and how you can help them do it. So I know this is pretty vague, but we, you know, we were talking about how when a lot of teachers, and I think like even us included, you know, first saw three-dimensional teaching and, and really what it expected of students. Sometimes the initial reaction is like, but wait, my students can't do that. And maybe they can't right now. Um, but that is not necessarily an excuse to not have them do it. And it definitely doesn't mean that your students can't ever do it. So in this episode, we're basically going to talk about when you have that, th- that feeling or that thought, like, but wait, my students can't do that, do this. Like, what can you do next? <laughs> and how do you, how do you get them to doing it? Which I feel like that was a lot of it's and them and they's and <laughs> big words. <laughs> big pronouns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that the narrative right now is really like, they can't do this because they're so behind from COVID or, you know, like they're um, socially, they're like two grade levels behind or, you know, something like that. But we are in the place that we're in. So what are we doing about it? Yes. And don't even get me started talking about the word behind. I'm like really anti the word behind because we're just, we are where we are. So let's just take it and, and move forward from there. Whatever expectations we had for whatever it was, it was a different time. It was a different world. (laughs) Things were different and now we're here and we are where we are. So how do we get one step, one step forward, one step further? Yeah, I actually, so I was talking to a teacher a couple of days ago and they were saying, so, you know, my students are testing at, uh, you know, second grade level and they're sixth graders and, you know, am I, is the expectation that I'm going to get them up to sixth grade by the end of the year? And I was like, oh my gosh, no, like, (laughs) no, well, you know, you're just trying to move them forward. And, you know, so how do we take our students from where they are right now and just push them forward a little bit at a time? Yes. Yes. So that is exactly what we are talking about today. So it's like, it's perfect. Okay. So what are, before we, what are some of the things that we're saying like this, like, what is this in this episode, I guess, because we, we, 
we're going to kind of share a strategy that you can use with any of the this is. Yeah. So can you give a, like an example of one of the this, the, this is? Um, yeah. So like students can't do things in groups. Students can't manage, you know, like um, students can't manage supplies. Students can't, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of things that, um, you know, students can't manage to sit down and be quiet or I don't, you know, a lot yes. of things like that. Yeah, for sure. And those are a lot of kind of the procedures kind of thing. And actually, I haven't even thought about that, but that totally fits in here too. Um, we're basically giving you a procedure for uh, addressing these things, but, um, or helping you figure out a procedure. Anyway, um, some of the this is that I had in mind too were even like more academic y, like analyzing data or asking questions or um, like working through an exploration, you know, figuring it out, discovering an idea, um, maybe engaging in a discussion where, and of any type, whether it's a sense-making discussion or like an argumentation style of discussion, um, any of those I think can also be the, the, this is we're talking about in this episode. Yeah. Or, I mean, I think that, that the perception is that you have to kind of hold your student's hand through everything. So they can't do, you know, they can't do anything without you guiding them through or, you know, talking at them, I think is kind of the, the perception right now. Yes. And that is not actually helping your students. It's probably making your life a little bit miserable too, because I feel like I don't think most teachers enjoy that because it usually feels like a battle. Um, But it's also just not helping your students because they're never going to be able to do something unless they have a chance to do it. Right. So at some point we have to have them doing the thing. Um, So yeah. All right. So let's, let's talk about when we want them to do the thing, but they, we don't feel that they are capable of doing the thing. What is the first thing? Well, I guess the first thing is, is identifying what the thing is. So I, I think this is where it's important as educators that we're always just reflecting and thinking about what am I assuming about my students? Even when you're going to, I was talking with a teacher the other day and they were talking about um, their lesson and, and, and presenting the phenomena. And they're like, well, I feel like I need to give them the question. Like they just assumed and jumped right ahead instead of having the students ask the questions from the phenomena. They're like, I just, they need, they, I need to give it to them. So kind of reflecting back and, and what assumptions are you making? So this teacher must've been assuming that their students were not capable of asking questions or asking like the question that is relevant or whatever. Um, so I think first of all, just identifying what assumptions are you making or what are you thinking? And they, they totally might be a true, it might might be a true assumption. Like right now they can't ask that question, but you kind of have to identify, first of all, what am I assuming they can't do or what can't they do right now? So I think that's first. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think second is that you look for, I, I, I want to use the term like least restrictive, like (laughs) the, the least level of scaffolding that will um, help them get to where you want them to be. And then if that's not enough, then you take it to the next level. Like you, you figure out what they need and you give it to them, whatever it is to move them further along. Yes. So like more specifically, um, I think this is where we find that like least restrictive. So I guess least, least, least restrictive level would just be like, hey, go do it. Like, go figure out how to analyze that data. Go figure out how to ask that question. We obviously know that's probably not going to work. And that's not quite our job as teachers either. We were supposed to be guiding their learning, right? Or like 
supporting them through it. So we need to do more than that. Um, so I think it, it comes down to finding that like big picture framework that guides them through it. But like you said, with a very kind of like hands as much hands-off approach as possible. So I like to think about it as giving like kids a framework of things to do. And when you were kind of talking about the groups and um, sitting down in the seats and things like that, it made me think of a procedure. And kind of that's like what we want to give our students, like a procedure to work through when they encounter that task. So um, like when it comes to questioning, I if you haven't read the book, I recommend it. It was recommended to me um, by a teacher and I um, and that I worked with last year um, through I Explore Academy, and they uh, it's called the or just just one make just one change, and it's from the Right Question Institute. I think that's the name of the book, um, but it's about basically a procedure that you can use with your students or like a protocol you can use with your students to help them learn to ask questions and to help them learn to ask the questions and then figure out like which question should be addressed first. So it's really about shifting toward a more student-led and student-driven kind of classroom where instead of the teachers, instead of it's like the teacher telling you which way to go next, it's this questioning protocol that allows the students to figure out if this is our task, this is the next thing I need to do to, to accomplish that task or to obtain that learning or whatever. So like that would be an example of a framework, like working through their protocol for asking questions. Um, do you have any like ideas or um, examples of frameworks to, that you want to share? I don't want to talk all the time. Um, like, um, I don't know, talking about group work, like there's a ton of like Kagan, like group work strategies and, you know, like giving, um, giving students, you know, like roles within their group, like, you know, you're the presenter, you're the reader, you're the, you know, time manager or whatever, like there's, yeah pretty much anything that you have a problem that you're trying to solve, like there's a strategy available, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the thing, the important thing with all of these strategies is that I think you, you do the same, you, you pick one and you stick with it. Yeah. So if this is the questioning protocol you're going to use, this is the questioning protocol you use. If you're using notice and wonder, that's the protocol that you're using. Um, if you are, if you're doing like an analyzing data, I like to do the like, this is what I see and this is what I what it means, kind of two-step um, analysis or observations and then analysis. And that's every time I, I present data, that's the protocol that we use. That's how we approach it, um, at least initially. We've talked about that I also use that with um, the engaging in an argument, you know, like what is the evidence, what I see and the reasoning is what oh. it means. So like just, you know, taking those pieces and putting them together and using the same terminology over and over again. Yes. And then, and then students know, like every time I'm in that situation, I can fall back on the, this, this way of going about it. And that's not to say that like your students are, can never diverge from that ever, but this is like the scaffolding to get them to be able to do these things. So if they end up finding their own methodologies later on, like, great, that's awesome. That's great critical thinking. And, and, um, you know, when you take something and you make it your own, I can't think of the word for that, but that's awesome. But in, in terms of getting them started, I think having that repeatability is really good. Um, another example of that is like the open Syed curriculum uses these routines, the navigation routine, the um, investigation routine, where they kind of approach certain parts of a lesson or an investigation in a, in a very particular way. And in that sense, students can get familiar with at this moment in time, this is the approach I can fall back on and I, I can know what to do next, you know? And also important. if you're using 
like the same protocol over and over again. I've been spending a ton of time in elementary school classrooms and they have these beautiful anchor charts, like not even that they have to be beautiful, but if you're using the same procedure over and over again, then you can use an anchor chart. And I mean, yes. like that's totally something we can steal from elementary school. There's, there's a lot of things that we like should be stealing from elementary school. Um, yeah, I don't want to get on a tangent, but I just sent an email out about like, Hey, steal this idea from elementary school. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, and that's perfect. Cause then they see it, they see like visually can like refer back to it when you're not there with them. And then also you can incorporate it into like your, your instruction task instructions. And you know, if you're giving instructions verbally or whatever, so finding that framework to give it like order, to give the task structure. It's almost like a procedure. Like I come across this situation and I know this is the first thing I need to do, or this is the first thing I can do in order to tackle that task or approach that problem or that situation. Um, And again, like Aaron said, there's basically, once you figure out what your problem that you're trying to solve is like, just start searching for strategies because there's so many strategies. You do not have to make this up. Like you can find something out there. Um, And then what's the third? So you got your strategy and then you were saying about like scaffolding. So do you want to kind of elaborate on that one? If you do something and it doesn't work, then teachers kind of like throw up their hands and like, oh, this can't work. So, um, so sometimes you just need to find the next level of scaffolding. Like Mm -hmm. if we were talking about, you know, having your students ask questions and using this protocol, well, you might be in a position where your students really can't ask questions to start. So you give them a bunch of questions and have them sort them, you know, like I think that, um, card sorts are like the baseline. You can get a student to do anything with a card sort. If you're like, okay, my students do have like trouble, like coming up with a question from a phenomenon, but I want this to feel student led. Okay. So give them a ton of questions, some relevant, some not relevant, help them and do it as like you said, a card sort, like which are the relevant questions, which are the not relevant questions, which one should we investigate first? They might even after seeing your questions, be prompted to ask additional questions on their own that you could add into the mix. But you can still, in that sense, like they're still choosing what to do next in terms of like a student led kind of approach, but you, you got them through the asking questions part without just like totally giving them the question that's going to come next or that they have to do or whatever. So I think that's, I think that's really um, like a neat approach to in- incorporate. And then we were also mentioning um, before we started recording like sentence stems, even, yeah. you know, if you have students that are struggling with um, like with verbalizing their questions, like giving them a starting point, a, a stem to start with, or even like a fill in the blank question, Obviously, these are like a much greater level of support. And if your students don't need it, don't do it. Like give them a chance first. But if you go through it and they flop and they clearly do need that support, then then you can step in with that support and then wean it off later, you know? Yeah. Well, and um, like uh, there I was in a math classroom the other day and they had the teacher was just going through how to read a problem and had this like beautiful little graphic organizer that she used. And she was like, you know, what is the question asking? Like restate it in your own words, draw a picture of it, you know, like, and it was like all of these steps that would help a student solve a problem. And the whole, um, the whole lesson wasn't teaching them how to solve the problem. It was like how to pick apart a question. And it was like, just a great way to pick apart something and have them like be able to move forward. Yeah, that that's and that that's like the kind of skill that the, our students need. Yeah, like they need to know how to figure out the next step, figure out the next thing. And so when you are giving them this framework like that, how to break apart the question, 
the next time they are in that situation or they get a question or whatever, then they're ready to tackle it because they have the framework like to go, to go at it with. Um, so it's like, it's really just teaching the skills, like as you're kind of teaching the, the content, obviously for, um, of course too, you're doing both things, but you're giving them that, the skill, I guess, to do it themselves, um, or a way to approach it to themselves. Not only is she teaching them that skill, but she's also teaching them that there's like a bunch of other things that they can do to, to like pick something apart when they don't know what to do. Like it applies beyond just the math problem. Yes, for sure. And also, um, do you have reindeer at your house? Cause I heard like jingles. Oh, it's my dog. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so festive. It sounds like somebody's coming in with like little jingle bells. <laughs> yeah. It's my reindeer. Anyway, here reindeer, that reindeer. Um, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, so that was a random side note, but that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. So I, I, we don't really have much else, I guess. We really wanted to kind of give you a strategy that you can kind of apply to wherever you might be getting stuck in your classroom right now. And this, we kind of gave you the, the framework for addressing the problem. And now you have to go find the framework for your students' problems. It's kind of the gist, I guess, what we did here. Well, but also like reach out to us if you're like, okay, but this is my problem and I can't find a solution. Like let us know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, um, we have a lot of solutions for, we've seen a lot of. Yeah. We've stumbled. Not like that. We've all made up like what what we've come across (laughs) and like can recommend and all that. Yeah. So for sure, reach out if you have something that you are struggling with. Um, but yeah. So anyway, I think that's all we have for today. We have one more episode after this week, and then we're going to be taking a break for the holidays and we'll be back in 2022. That is so weird to say. Um, but please reach out. Uh, we are also, we're kind of planning out what our next season is going to look like. So if you have specific questions, we would love to hear from you. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. If you are hating the podcast and you'd like to see something different, I would prefer it if you didn't leave it as like a review, but if you wanted to send us a message, that would be okay too. We definitely want your feedback either way, (laughs) but, um, we, yeah, we like, we like hearing from you. So we like knowing somebody's listening. (laughs) All right. Have a great one guys. We will talk to you later. Bye. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do wanna make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.